During his 10 years in prison, Jack Deebs created his own world. It made him very successful. You're Jack Deebs, the creator of Cool World, right? I can't believe this. Now he thinks he's going home to the real world. But he's wrong. Real wrong. Welcome to my world. You're not in Kansas anymore! Freeze. Cool World Police. I'm a cartoonist. I drew all this. This place exists with or without you. Get a little closer here, babe. Give us a gift. Go away. I'm out of here. Do not have sex with doodles. It's the oldest law in Cool World. If that happens, you call me. I got it, boss. Since it's only a dream, indulge your fantasies. <gasps> the man is in the bedroom. <laughs> are you gonna follow the rules, or are you gonna follow your instincts? You're about to make an unscheduled trip to the other side. Buster. This is gonna be the biggest disaster the cool world has ever seen. Stop! Cease! Nobody's gonna stop me now. You look good in the flesh. It's almost a shame I gotta take you back. I just wanna be real. Slow down. Not on your life, pal. Not that you kidding. This place should be erased. Hey, <laughs> it's a living. Cool world. We may not be real to you as yet, but we will be. Welcome to They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We are part of the Main Amy Network, and to find more from us, check out the website, themainamy.com, or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TheMainAmy. We're also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at GVNation.com. Welcome back to They Call This a Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio, and with me, as always, is Dan Aquino and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, how's it going? I think I may have found the movie equivalent of that saying, a poor man something. While, while watching this movie after watching Roger Rabbit earlier in the year. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It does yeah, everything I, not better. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It's very much. It's like, oh, this actually exists. It's not just some stupid comparison when people don't know how to talk, compare two things. Yeah. This is so much like somebody got inspired by that, but didn't know why that movie was good. <laughs> yeah. My, my wife has a bone to pick with us. She says we need to stop being super horny. <laughs> uh, that, I mean, has she listened to the podcast? Well, no, she sees the movies, and <laughs> so she goes. So we're watching this, and she says, "You guys are way too horny." And I was like, "Well, wait a minute, not me, because I didn't pick this movie. I'm trying to suck up to my wife still after 13 years." And so she goes, "All right, well, who picked this?" I said, "Mark picked it." All right, well, who picked uh, Barbarella? Anthony picked Barbarella. Like, okay. <laughs> Well, who were most of the quotes by? I was like, uh, me. 
Uh, in Barbarella's defense, this is much hornier. But before we get fully into that, we're going to introduce, we have a guest this week. He's one of the co-hosts of Hop Nation, who is currently celebrating, they just released 200 episodes, so congratulations. We have Steve on the podcast. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm never coming back. This movie's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Mission uh, full experience. Steve, Steve, why don't you introduce, how, how, tell the listeners all two dozen of them, uh, what Hop Nation is. So Hop Nation USA is a craft beer focused podcast, but we don't have any like seriousness or snootiness to us. Even though I'm drinking an IPA tonight, my co-host hates IPAs and generally we run on coffee stouts anyway. But we also like to interview breweries and just tell their story. But when we're not doing that, it's usually just bashing on craft beer and just having a good time. Great. Yeah. As we start off every episode, we usually talk about things we watched this week. So, Steve, why don't you tell us, what have you been watching? I've been watching the Venom 2 trailer on loop <laughs> until it makes sense to me. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, did did I... you like the first movie? No, I didn't. Okay, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I don't get it. I didn't, I, didn't li- it. I didn't like the first movie and it, because it was such a cheap, and it's all Sony studio. I can just tell it's all Sony because they don't want to invest money and making good movies. So they just made this muddy, dark-ass film where Venom fights a thing that looks like Venom. You can't tell the two of them apart. It doesn't make any sense. And now they're doing the same thing this movie, but red. That's just... the perfect summary of Venom 2. Yeah. <laughs> I have seen either the trailer or the first film, but I did watch Upgrade, and that was excellent. That was the best oh. Venom movie that year. Upgrade fucking rules. I love that movie. <laughs> Such a good movie. Uh, is that all? I don't know. I just uh, like I finished up Invincible and uh, I haven't watched too many movies aside from this one. I've been watching just like a lot of series because like Yasuke got released on Netflix and uh, yeah, finished up Invincible and tried to get into Jupiter's Legacy, but not so much yet. Okay, what about you, Dan? What have you been watching? So I haven't watched anything new, but I I kind of have a, a pickle on my hands here. My wife might be boycotting Disney movies. Okay. So now, like, that doesn't really matter. Like, I could go without watching Disney movies. But that also, like, includes Marvel movies. Like, okay. Well, now, I can't follow you over that bridge. Everything else I will. So the, the reason why, and I'll, just, like, real quick, we're looking to vacation this summer. And we were thinking about going, well, you know, let's try to go to Disney, visit my sister. It's incredibly expensive, as I'm sure you gentlemen know. And one of the vacationing tips on the website is, hey, you can't afford to come here. Get a second job and save up. (laughs) I I swear to God, that's one. That's what it says. Hey, you know, a lot of people have a hard time saving up to vacation with us, but maybe get a side hustle like Uber Eats or like DoorDash or something. Have you tried not being poor? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> right. I, I would rather them just say, hey, we don't want your kind here anymore. Just only rich folk are now allowed in Disney. But that really skeeved Jen out. And, you know, it bothered me. So we were texting today and she goes, you know, I don't think I'm going to really support anything they do anymore. Like, oh, you know, that, like right on, you know, fight the power kind of thing. It's like, I'm not going to watch their movies. I was like, but now... Just Disney movies or Marvel movies? Because, yeah, like, again, I can, I don't need to see another Toy Story or another Finding Nemo, anything like that. But I, I'm really waiting for, like, Doctor Strange 2 and Spider Man 3. And, like, can we just, like, 
do it after that? Can we can we picket them and after those movies? So that's <laughs> so, where like I, I'm kind of I have that conundrum. So let me let me just float this towards you. Why not get a NordVPN? And I don't know if they're a sponsor of the show, but you, know, you can just kind of list those couple movies that you want to see. You're not putting money in their pocket. Yeah, <laughs> you're sticking yeah, it to that's them. True. That's yeah. a good point. So that yeah, you, you can get, even get her on board to just be like, yeah, we're gonna take from them. We'll be we'll be like modern day pirates. <laughs> there you go. You've always wanted to be a pirate. I have. That's one of my dreams. There you go. Everybody Perfect. wins except Disney. Okay, Mark, sticking with you. Yeah. What did you watch this so, week? So I'm glad Dan forgot about this because it would give me something to talk about. Me and Dan watched New Mutants on Friday. Oh shit, we did. Yeah. See, he completely forgot. <laughs> Yeah, so that's the one thing I watched this week. So Cool World is the second worst movie you guys watched this week. No. Um, <laughs> it wasn't as bad as I thought it was, but I was going in with pretty low expectations. It could have been much worse. I think it's saved for the fact that they didn't try and go to all these different... I think being in one location kind of helps it not be completely terrible because it, it, it kind of feels like they, you know, at least had an idea and an attempt to tell like this one closed off story and not try and tie it into a bunch of stuff outside of references. I think if I would have seen this pre-Queen's Gambit, I may have not been as mesmerized by Anya Taylor-Joy. It's fine. I think Maisie Williams was Irish in this movie. Maybe Scottish. I don't think she knew at points (laughs) which she was in this movie. Yeah, I mean, if it's sad that that's the way X-Men goes out in terms of Fox movies or... Yeah, yeah, it was something that it's like, okay, I saw it. You know, I don't have to keep wondering or seeing it when I go on Disney Plus or HBO Max or anything like that, wherever wherever we watched it on. I don't recommend it per se, unless if you're a completist for X-Men movies. You got to watch everything X-Men, finish this off. It's not as bad as Dark Phoenix. As for me, I watched one thing and it kind of begs a question from you guys. What is like one movie that you feel like you should have seen? But you haven't. It's like a blind spot because that's I I corrected a blind spot for me this week. Let's let our guest go because I need to think. Steve, you are a film major. What is one movie that like would get you kicked out of Rod and Mora's class? (laughs) Man, that's the thing is like I I try to correct those blind spots as often as possible. So (laughs) I I honestly don't have one. Maybe Gone with the Wind. Oh, no. You know what? I know exactly what my blind spot is. I've never seen Lawrence of Arabia. That's one. That's a blind spot for me as well. But that was not what I corrected this year, this week. <laughs> what about you, Dan? Oh, I have a perfect one. And I, I, I'll definitely catch some shit for this, and I should. Raging Bull. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I started to watch it, and then I got tired. I was like, oh, you know, I'll come back to it. And then they took it off Netflix. <laughs> oh, well, it just wasn't meant to be. Never going to happen now. What about you, Mark? I think the prime example might be a lot of those 70s filmmaker movies. The most big example is Men Like Cowboy. Um, That's a Dustin Hoffman one, right? That's Dustin Hoffman and Dustin Hoffman, I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 So, like, those movies from that era, like, I didn't see many of them, and I probably should have because the ones I've seen I've loved. But, yeah, just they mostly that, you know, that section of time in movies, I haven't really seen as many as I should have. Okay. So for me, this was a big one, and I've probably seen bits and pieces before, but never complete. This weekend, I watched Aliens with an S. Oh. 
The same wow. One. wow. <laughs> For whatever reason, never really watched it until this weekend. And it's awesome. I still prefer and, Alien, but it's have awesome. Have you seen like three and four as well? <laughs> I've, I don't think I've seen three, but I've seen four and I've seen Prometheus. Okay. And I haven't seen Covenant. But just Aliens was a blind spot for me. And it's awesome. When yeah. when the when the door rises up and she's in that mech suit, which I've seen that scene a hundred times, but that's like such a great reveal. Awesome. I yeah. feel like we've talked about did were you lying to me for years I, about I, it? I mean, I'm sure I've seen a hundred clips of aliens. Oh, Probably okay. not yeah. you know, I have enough knowledge of aliens to, you know, have a conversation with it. I don't think I've ever actually said, Oh yeah, I totally seen aliens, bro. <laughs> My man, I feel so betrayed right now because I've done that with people where, you know, I, I feel like if I haven't seen the movie and I'm around others who are not snobby, but I consider like, oh, you know, I don't want to embarrass myself. Like I, I, I'm trying to think of a movie right now. Like, I haven't seen I haven't seen all of Clockwork Orange. Sure. Okay. But I'll lie and say I have Clockwork Orange because I don't want to be that guy. Like, oh yeah, well of course, you know, I, I'm the Droogs, I know them and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I can't hold my own really. Especially when you go see the new Space Jam movie, you got to be able to go. It's true. I know who those guys are. Yeah. Like, hey, hey, I know them. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like Ant, and um, now that you have better knowledge of it, I always felt that. The arguments people would have over Alien and Aliens um, is sort of like the Terminator and Terminator 2 arguments yeah. um, in mean, terms of preference. Cameron. And there's definitely a uh, a preference one way or the other with sure. those two. Yeah. I don't I'm know an... if you have a change in preference now or... I'm still Alien. Yeah. Well, I, I always kind of assumed that was going to be Alien and it kind of confirmed. But I'm also a Terminator 2 person. So, you know, James Cameron, I guess, is a little hit or miss for me. But uh, Aliens was awesome. I can't really say miss, but... I liked Alien. I like the more horror versus the more action. I, I think the character of, of the Alien of the Xenomorphs works better as a horror character sure. than than just you know the Starship Troopers uh, yep. kind of you know way that Aliens plays out. But I mean, they're both still great movies. I don't have a preference. I appreciate them both. Sure. So. Yeah. I, I wish they would have gone back to more of the horror genre with the Alien franchise, and because they were really after Alien, it just sticks with the the action. Like I, I guess it's yeah, it's more of an action franchise at that point. There's not really m- much horror in it. Maybe I, I think I think three has a good amount of horror element to it because that was like the David Fincher one. That is, it's on the prison planet, and it's basically just a whole bunch of people locked in a prison with the alien. It's very dark. It's very grimy. They don't have weapons because they're prisoners, obviously. So I think that one's a little bit more horror than uh, the other ones. But yeah, you're right. Like Resurrection, AVP, that series, fucking action schlock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was it Alien Three the, or was it Alien Three or Resurrection when Sigourney Weaver? Makes the behind the back behind the back. Resurrection. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. So I was gonna say I, I'm not. It's not scary if Sigourney Weaver no. is just you know flinging the basketball. It's cool. Yeah. But it's it, you don't see that and, in many horror movies. Yeah, that's the movie with like Ron Perlman. I think he flips like upside down with handguns and shoots handguns. It's either yeah. Ron Perlman or Sigourney Weaver that pulls that, and then yeah, yeah, that yeah. one's ridiculous. That was a mess. That movie I think was a mess. That was- I think that was the first alien movie I ever saw. I saw it on V8. It like rented it one day when my uncle Thanks, was babysitting man. us. <laughs> Classic. 
So I think that's all we got to talk about for this week of what we watched. So we will be right back as you listen to some ads and pay some bills. We'll be back in a second. And welcome back. Now it's time to talk about this week's movie. And this week, Mark picked a doozy. So Mark, why don't you introduce this week's movie? (laughs) This week, I chose the movie Cool World from 1992, starring Brad Pitt. I will take 99.9% of the blame and 0.01% of the blame will go for Anthony for nixing Revenge of the Killer Tomatoes. I did not nix. <laughs> I, so you first you said Expendables, which we just did yeah. Sl- Stallone, and I thought that would have been a boring episode, to be honest with you. I don't think Expendables is, is specifically bad. It's just yeah. kind of bad. And then you gave me three options. The first one was Clue, and I might have ki- almost kicked you off the show. We're suggesting that Clue was a bad movie. <laughs> it wasn't. I was just we we've done good movies. We did RoboCop on this podcast for Christ's sake. That was that was a that was a viewer request, so we happily <laughs> obliged. And then you said Re- Return of the Killer Tomatoes or Revenge of the Killer Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Yeah. And this exactly. movie. And I just said that Return of the Killer Tomatoes is more of a parody, so making fun of a parody is a little bit like you know what are you doing. I don't even remember how I put it, but more or less, it was just like, yeah. how are you going to make fun of a movie that's making fun of itself? Yeah, it's, so, a, it's in on the joke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, I will take that much responsibility for it. Um, <laughs> Still taking that 99.99. <laughs> <laughs> so the main reason why I came down to those two was because I always like in this podcast every so often when we do a movie from an actor's career, either early on or when he obviously took a paycheck. So I saw for those two, it had Brad Pitt and George Clooney the stars of either of those so that's why they got on my list but yeah i remember my distinct memories of this movie i didn't remember how uh, like boring bad it was the the main memory i had was being between the ages of eight and ten and seeing it in the blockbuster and sort of going i should rent that but you know my mom's not gonna let me and by the way it's pg-13 for some reason which okay and then when i finally saw it uh, a little bit older sort of like your explanation for uh, how you saw Alien Resurrection was like an older cousin had decided to finally rent the movie from a blockbuster because they remembered it when they were younger and I thought I liked it but after watching it again I'm just like I don't know what I was thinking I don't know if this coincides with me having watched Two Framed Roger Rabbit very recently that this kind of movie I can see all the things that they did absolutely wrong and was wondering how this was made four years later and looks so terrible at points. And you can tell, uh, maybe I just don't like the artwork of this movie? Not entirely sure, but that's sort of me now not trusting my memory of movies after seeing this. I think it's because you just stopped being horny. Yeah. <laughs> after you get over I being mean, horny, this movie fucking blows. <laughs> that's true. Right. That's true. Okay, less horny. Got it. <laughs> less horny. Not complete, no, it's, it's never yeah. fully away, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. You, got, you right. gotta be a little horny or the show gets boring. <laughs> what about you, Steve? Where are you coming from with Cool World? So, like, kind of similar to Mark, like, I, I had memories of like this being in blockbuster and feeling like not supposed to watch it and i also had i believe the first time i saw it was on cinemax like late at night so it had kind of that built-in taboo with cinemax already and i don't think i watched it all the way through but like i was just a kid and i don't think i understood it as well and cinemax had like this period of time where they were running like adult animation late at night so they also did fritz the cat which is when i saw that movie as well 
I didn't know they were both Ralph Bakshi at the time, but now that I'm older and now that you guys made me rewatch this as an adult, this movie is so goddamn boring and yeah. nonsensical. And Ralph Bakshi makes animated films the same way Italian horror directors make films in that they just like imagery, <laughs> but they have no sense of story. And it's ugh. ugh. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Dan? Yeah, so I saw this movie as a kid. I was at my grandparents' house with my cousin, and I don't think they knew what what it was. It was just like basically, oh, you know, it, oh, it's a cartoon or whatever. So we're going to let our grandchildren watch this. And then they left us alone for the whole thing. So I watched the whole movie. And yeah, it, it was awesome as a little kid. It was like, oh, like big boobies. This is great. Even if it's, you know, it's, it's essentially a hentai movie. You know, it doesn't go far enough. Yeah, it, 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 it's a wannabe hentai movie. And I realized as an adult watching this, the problem with this movie is there's too much going on. Mm-hmm. Every scene has some random shit in it. Like th- there'll be a scene where two characters are talking and then out of nowhere, like a line of random cartoon characters will just speed across the scene. A disembodied head will float through it's just it never breathes mm-hmm. and the it's super obvious that when brad pitt or uh gabriel byrne right gabriel byrne. yep whenever they're talking to one of the tunes they're never looking them directly on mm-hmm. it's almost like they're they're looking past them and when they they hold an object a cartoon object it's blatantly not there there's a scene where brad pitt takes out his badge and it's basically like he just holds up like a a hand Mm-hmm. And it's and the the badge is plastered on. Roger Rabbit came out what 80s 88 87 88 88 and it's infinitely better looking. <laughs> yep. Like, I yeah. don't know. I, I will say I've always dug Ralph Bakshi's artwork. It's very unique. Mm-hmm. And it's the, the style is like incredibly bizarre. It's almost like an H.R. Geiger type of look like gothic and like the buildings have teeth and like they're screaming or whatever it's it's cool it's also super creepy and not definitely not for kids but this is also the guy who animated and directed the lord of the rings so it's he's kind of ralph bakshi is like he's crazy but i respect his art style but yeah this movie as as a kid it's awesome because again horny kid but then as an adult who is like lo- losing his horniness, it's like not great. Gotcha. Yeah. So for me, again, like you guys, I saw this probably when I was too young, probably 11 or 12. I think I caught it on basic cable. I think I remember the posters st- sitting in the in the uh, movie rental place for a while. And yeah, like you guys said, I think I think this movie just solidifies how much of an underrated director Robert Zemeckis is for his work on Who Framed Roger Rabbit and how he was able to make that so seamless six years or four years before this movie came out. If this movie's only thing that it wanted to accomplish was that you could consider yourself fucking a cartoon, (laughs) it succeeds, I guess. (laughs) As far as cartoons go, yes, Hollywood is very fuckable. But that's more or less the extent to the point of this movie. It's really all it is. It doesn't. It 
there is barely a plot besides her just wanting to fuck Gabriel Byrne so she becomes a person. Even even the music video for AHA's Take On Me was a better example <laughs> of, of this kind of idea. It's it's wild how and this movie is not super cheap in terms of they spent a good amount of money on this. They spent like thirty million dollars to make this piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how much they spent on Roger, on Roger Rabbit. Probably a lot more, but yeah, the people lost money on this for sure. Yeah, now, wasn't there wasn't there like a, a big dispute about the the script? Like there was a bunch of rewrites or something like that. Like so, yes. So Ralph Bakshi originally envisioned this to be kind of a hard R sort of movie, violence, much more sex, and all that kind of stuff. And that might have worked better than this, but apparently. There was a a meeting that happened about halfway through production where Kim Basinger was like, I'd want to I want to make a movie where I could go to I think this quote is a children's hospital and show the children that. And Ralph actually <laughs> was like, that would have been a great note for you to give me before we started production. <laughs> <laughs> and then one of the producers agreed with Kim Basinger and then it kind of, you know, really stripped this of any sort of edge, really. Because you know it it is it's a movie not for kids but it's it's like barely not for kids there's hey, it's man. not it's not super like it's a PG thirteen movie it really feels yeah. that way from what I read because I was doing a little bit of research and from what I read Bakshi actually wound up punching that producer <laughs> and wanted to quit the film and then they threatened to sue him for breaking his contract so they forced him to stay on set and finish the movie. that's kind of so, awkward. Yeah, well, yeah, and it kind of shows if you just, it, it genuinely feels like nobody wants to be on that set except for Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Gabriel, Bur- they're, they're, this is not a good movie, I don't even know where to, where to even go with this, yeah. yeah. Do you remember when Kim Basinger was a thing? Yeah, she's bad in this movie, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. and yeah, this is going to be, this is going to sound kind of mean-spirited, but I liked her more as a cartoon. <laughs> There is uh, there is a little bit of a downgrade, not going to lie. Yeah. I'm sorry, it, Kim. <laughs> see, I, I also was kind of taken aback by that because when she transforms from cartoon to human, like, I don't know, I had to look it up because she looked kind of older than what I expected. Yeah, 92. I, yeah, I didn't know how old she was. She was actually almost 40 when she did this movie. Yeah, that is a little and weird. I was, yeah, I was kind of surprised by that. And then, like, the makeup department did her no favors with the mm-hmm. extreme close-ups and yeah, like yeah. and i didn't know if i was supposed to like go oh like this is what they just you know become they become you know like he was going for a stylistic thing of oh yeah you become a real real human with flaws because they they showed like a lot of like you know hollywood sun damage and <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's kind of un, uh, uncommon for film to like allow their stars to look flawed but I wonder if they did that on purpose. Yeah. yeah. The the only thing I kept thinking of uh, with Kim Basinger through this movie is, uh, was this the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man 3 moment where she did not want to be on this movie or do anything? So she completely overacted everything when she was human Holly to just make it worse. So I, that's all I kept thinking when, when those moments came up. It's just amazing to me that we talk about jokingly to take on me video and you know roger rabbit but the first moment where i was like they 
didn't even either didn't have a budget or didn't think was the first time Brad Pitt walks in Cool World and everything is cardboard. You know. Oh yeah, that happens yeah. a couple times. Yeah. yeah. Like they didn't even try to mesh it in, and it's just like this can't be four years. This had to be before, right? <laughs> this was the before animation. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of that stuff disappointed me. I just thought it was going to be like a very similar, you know, in terms of, of, of production value as Roger Rabbit, but just trying to be more adult. And it was not that. Yeah. So apparently, originally, Ralph Bakshi wanted Drew Barrymore, who was like 17 in 1992. So that's... <laughs> yeah, that makes sense for Bakshi, though, because <laughs> Dan already pointed out, like, this is... or Yeah, you guys already pointed out that, like, this is borderline early hentai. Yeah. And like Ralph Bakshi just basically catered to perverts when he wasn't doing high end stuff like Lord of the Rings. Right. He's just, and I guess the reason why he doesn't work anymore is because Suncoast Video came along with anime and everybody <laughs> got to see it. <laughs> yeah, Put him out of a job. This is the last yeah. feature film, is this movie. Yeah. Last of his pervert works that he could put out. <laughs> yeah, it definitely feels like a movie that perverts would love. Not that I am a pervert, so I would have no idea. Well, no, well, we that's don't love why the we film either, so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it suffered from, like Mark said, the Spider-Man 3 syndrome. I guess because Bakshi wanted one thing, the studio wanted completely different. And Bakshi was just like, well, screw it then. I'm just not going to really give them what they want 100%. And I'll just kind of throw a little bit of a temper tantrum. And I'm not going to make a coherent story. It's going to be all over the place. I think that's letting him off the hook for a little, a little bit too much, to be honest with you. Saying that this was a rebellion. I think, I just think it's a shitty story. And like, it doesn't make sense in the way that, you know, Brad Pitt shows up in cool world in 1945, but then it's all in Gabriel Byrne's imagination in 1992. There are no rules. There's only one rule set forward in this movie. And that's noise. Can't fuck tunes. No, no boinking. Otherwise, they have have people have powers that come out of nowhere and decisions are made and things happen that are not explained throughout this entire movie. And we're all left with just, well, I know this one thing about this movie. Noids can't fuck tunes. And then then they drop this whole like rule to the world out of nowhere, which would have been fun to know beforehand that if you get the noid gets killed by a tune while they're or a doodle while they're a doodle. You know, they become one. Yeah. You know, that that's just the way to bring Brad Pitt back and with his awful doodle. They um, did him dirty. His animation <laughs> yeah. is awful. And it, it looks like if somebody asked sketch James Dean from memory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it's a complete mess of a yeah. movie. But Mark, if they yeah. did let out that one rule early, then you would just spend the whole movie thinking about, well, if Lynette just kills him. He will just come back to life as a tune, so they'd be they'd be able to fuck. <laughs> they could be happy and fuck together. I think they could put that out earlier though in a different way. Like if they had a tune die in the real world, they become a person, but they're a dead person. Right. You know, because <laughs> they're dead. dead. Yeah. But then if you die in the tune world, you become a tune. So yeah. you know, you kind of can go back and forth with that, but. Yeah, there's no rules to this. It, I hate it just as much as Harry Potter because Harry Potter is the same thing of just introducing <laughs> Deus Ex Magica anytime they need something to happen. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Because J.K. Rowling's a shitty writer. <laughs> <laughs> so now 
you, you can't bang a tune because then the tune becomes a real person. Now, like, how, like, what is that when you, do you have to, like, climax in the tune? Is that what, <laughs> is that what, like, the DNA of a person kind of gets sucked up into the tune because they're ink? Well, welcome to our Patreon slash OnlyFans portion of the podcast. <laughs> right. Well, because now I'm curious, like, what, like, what you, are you giving your essence to the tune? Yes, well, let's see, we're in 1992 now, so, you know, we're kind of in the, Time of Bill Clinton and defining what is sex. Right. I was I was wondering as well, like, yeah. do hand jobs and oral not count in this? Right. Ooh, that's a good point. Because the whole the whole time. I bet I bet if he got his hard R, we would know the answers to that question. It's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. So much missed opportunity there. Yeah. Because the whole time we have Brad Pitt refusing his uh, two friend Lynette. Yeah. But it's like they've never done hand stuff or anything. Like, right. yeah. Like, can he go down on her? Right. <laughs> Does phone sex count? Yeah. <laughs> what if he sits in the corner and watches as the spider cucks him? Is that okay? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, like you, he's living vicariously through uh, what, what nails? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. So now, like, if it's if this was a hard R, there's no way you get Brad Pitt and Gabriel Byrne to be in this movie, right? I think it's early in their early enough in their careers that maybe you definitely get Brad Pitt. I think Brad Pitt's weird. I think he's a weird dude, so I think he'd be like totally into doing a Ralph Bakshi movie. And like how far he's come then? Like I mean, he's in obviously he's a legend. He and he's like he's helped produce some of the best movies in the past you know decade. Yeah. And this is kind of where he got his start. Like yeah, pretty much. I think I think he had done. I'm gonna pull it up. I think. What was Delman and Louise before this? Delman and Louise before this. I think this was the same year as Legends of the Fall or the other one, the other Montana movie that he did. So this was 1992. He did Cool World. A River Runs Through It was the one that he did. Okay. And before this, he did Delman and Louise the year before. And California True Romance would have been 93. So he's still pretty early. Not yet in Interview with the Vampire. So he's still pretty early in his career. Yeah. So yeah, early enough where he would have to take a hard R. I think he would have like embraced it. That's what I'm. Yeah, saying. I think I think he would have been into it just because of the other things he's made. Like he's made weird Cone Brother films. You know, Seven is pretty graphic. You know, even though it doesn't show much, it still is very disturbing film. And yeah, that's a- true. Those two episodes he did on Growing Pains. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely hard R. Yeah. <laughs> so. Cool World from 1992, as we've mentioned, directed by Ralph Bakshi, the director of Fritz the Cat, which is a movie we've already covered, Lord of the Rings animated film, Heavy Traffic, and Fire and Ice, including another movie that I will not say on this podcast. Starring Brad Pitt, Gabriel Byrne, Kim Basinger, Michelle Abrams, Carrie Hamilton, Maurice LaMarche, Stephen Wirth, Michael David Lally, Janine Jennings, Charlie Adler, and Candy Milo. Has an IMDb score of 4.9, and I forgot to look up the Rotten Tomato score. But budget, $30 million. Box office, $14 million. So I'm going to say Rotten Tomato score of 27. Let's take a look. Yeah, yeah we got so. a couple of uh, pretty good voiceover actors, and Maurice LaMarche and Charlie Adler. Charlie Adler played we, Ed we, Bighead in Rocco's Modern Life. We also had a, ret- <laughs> they call this movie Return. Yes. Um, she Michelle, was Control 2. It's from Troll 2, the neighbor girl. Michelle Abrams was in Troll 2. Yeah, she's like the 
like the open it the opening scene of Troll 2 where it's like back in foreign times or whatever. Okay. Is she foreign times? Is she uh um, She's the girl with the fake freckles yeah. in that movie. Does she voice Helen Lovejoy on The Simpsons? I don't know. Because one someone in this movie was on The Simpsons. It's a tomato meter of four percent. Ooh, I was close. That makes sense. one. <laughs> Yeah, I think they're Maggie Roswell. I think I, might have been. She has an uncredited. I think. Yes, that's who it was. Yeah, she yeah. she's on The Simpsons. So do you guys want to get into this razor thin plot? Yeah, sure. Do not wait. <laughs> Dan, what do you got for us this week? Okay, just gonna give a quick shout out to our friend Tia and her very own podcast, The Top Ten with Tia. So uh, that is a weekly podcast where Tia and her bestest friend ever, Brittany. Get together, they run down top 10 lists. So for, uh, you know, this past Mother's Day, they did a top 10 mothers on TV, I believe. So uh, you can go check her out at TC underscore Stark on Twitter. You can also find some of her stuff at uh, Geek Vibes Nation. So go check out her articles and go give her a listen. Great. And we are going to take a quick break while you listen to messages from Friends of Podcasts. And we will be right back. Hey everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Oh, hi. Didn't see you there. It's me, George, from the best little horror house in Philly, the show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest at least. We've talked about groundbreaking classics like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Alien, but we've also got a lot of great ones coming up, including some very fun guests like Len Kabazinski of Swamp Zombies and Red Letter Media fame, Caroline Williams, the star of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and Chase Williamson from John Dies at the End. So make sure you're subscribe to the best little horror house in philly and i'll see you boils and ghouls over there and welcome back now it's time to get into the plot for cool world we open on las vegas 1945 after about like two minutes of just credits on a black screen very 90s the way yeah they feel together a little, uh, time and place right? the early 90s version of after effects <laughs> able to night on vegas as frank harris played by brad pitt returns home from world war ii and they greet the returning gis from the airport as he meets his mom and they go back home to some shitty house in the desert frank tells his mom that he has a surprise for her he takes her outside to show her a brand new motorcycle that he won in a poker game in italy yeah i'm not a motorcycle guy but it's an objectively gorgeous bike and then he wants to show off his ride, his riding to his mom this scene is kind of odd seeing as how this is his mom and not his girlfriend <laughs> not, I'm not getting strong incest vibes, but it would make a lot more sense. I think, especially, I didn't, I didn't get those vibes. But usually, when you surprise someone, it's with a gift for them, right, not with, <laughs> not with, hey, here's this, I got a surprise for you. Here's my beautiful, and I, I think it was an Indian. That would make sense for the time, but yeah, it just like here's my beautiful red motorcycle for me to ride. <laughs> and, and you see the look on her face too. She's like, "Oh, it's beautiful, <laughs> cool." <laughs> and thanks for leaving. Like it's right outside the front door. He leads her around the back and <laughs> to the front. <laughs> like, yeah. 
let's, let's take the longest way possible. <laughs> Just her tripping over all that, sh- all their shit, all the chickens, <laughs> dirt farm that they got in the middle of the Nevada desert. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very strange gift to uh, present your mom. As they're riding, a drunk couple stumbles out of a bar in the middle of the day, and they eventually crash into the motorcycle. Frank and his mom go flying, and Frank immediately has a war flashback until he stumbles upon his mom, lifeless on the ground. Eventually, the cops come and take statements, and the ambulance bags up his mom. At the same time, a a cartoon professor opens up a portal to the real world. Frank screams out in anguish and then transports himself to that tune world. I, I gotta no say, I'm, su- I'm surprised that the people that caused the accident stayed behind. Right, yeah. I guess maybe the maybe the car was busted. Maybe they couldn't hit and run. Okay, that's true. <laughs> in, in 1945, they probably got a, a slap on the wrist. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's no big deal. Yeah. But, is there anything more jarring in a tonal shift from him holding his dead mom having a flashback, uh, like a PTSD war flashback, to a little bald-headed cartoon character. <laughs> yeah. That was, like, genuinely kind of upsetting to me. <laughs> it's a tonal whiplash, right? Yeah. It really serves no purpose because it's never brought up again. Like He never mentions his mother again or how he's from 1945. Right. So you really could have just, like, shifted to Gabriel Byrne being there. I'm like, hey, Brad Pitt, what are you doing here? Oh, it's a long story. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I mean, he mentions it when once he's back in the real world. He mentions it in the car with the neighbor and Jack. But yeah, it's weird. I mean, they don't even explain how he his his scream of anguish causes him to transport. I mean, it, and they probably could have done it like, why does his mom have to die from a drunk driving accident? It doesn't really affect him in any it He doesn't until he has to go back. He doesn't really seem like he's running from it. No. Right. right. Like if that was a thing, like you could tell if they played that up a little bit more, it would make a lot more sense. Like that's the reason why he hangs out in Cool World and he doesn't go back because he doesn't want to face that. But now it's been like 50 years. So or, or like he's trying to get back, but doesn't know how. Because, like, maybe his mom's not dead. Like, he's he's just out. But he loves his mom, obviously. He gets sucked into Cool World. He just wants to get back to uh, his mom. But he doesn't know how. Right. But she's dead anyway. Exactly. And then when he comes <laughs> back, oh, Mama Mama Pitt's dead. But she would have been dead anyway because he came <laughs> back into the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> so, 104 years old. <laughs> right. And then she dies. Yeah, yeah, I've waited so long for you to come home, son. It's been 80. Um, <laughs> so what I like, uh, just jump, we'll get to this point fully jumping ahead, but I love the idea of when he came back into the world that he was in the same condition he was when he left. Yeah. In in terms of the thing. I was like, all right, that's a cool little thing. I guess that was supposed to be his character, is that he it was staying in the tune world because he didn't want to deal with what happened in the real world, but yeah. they never really make a point of it. No. But I, I got the feeling that that's supposed to be his character. Yeah. It's a, a half complete thought. And why does he go, why does he teleport there? And then when he comes back, why does he teleport into Jack's house? Was Jack's house where that highway was? <laughs> Is it just like Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Like he went to the same place and just so happened to be the same place? I don't know. These are the questions that I don't have answers for. See, that would have been interesting, though, because it would have set the precedent that there was a portal created by the professor in the early part of the film with his spike or whatever. So, like, mm-hmm. there's a there's a little bit of a rip there. Right. But Gabe, Gabriel Byrne has already been teleporting in other places. Yeah, sure. Yeah, he does it. He does it in his house. He does it. Is he does he do it in prison? I know he does yeah, it in does the it. middle of desert. Yeah. Yeah, he does it a couple times in prison. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and that's the thing. Like, why is it that there's a spike that brings Brad Pitt, but then a tune could just wish you into that world, right? Like, why do you need the spike? I don't know. I don't. I don't know what. I don't. We don't have the answers to these questions because there <laughs> right. are no rules. There were no rules <laughs> set out. There was the, no explanation. Is of, the spike brought back later? It's, yeah. It's brought back at the end. It's, at the end. It's the okay. point of the end. It. Yeah, that's what happens at the end. Yeah. Okay. So Frank screams, Professor tells Frank that the experiment was supposed to transport the professor into the real world, but accidentally transports Frank to the cool world. And Frank has obviously suffered a traumatic brain injury and has trouble forming complete sentence at this moment. Professor mentions that this is the first time anyone from the real world has been transported to the cool world. And then we cut to 1992 in Vegas. As Jack Deebs, played by Gabriel Byrne, sits behind bars in his prison cell which he has a drawing desk in there for some reason. <laughs> and he's drawing his creation, Holly, talking to her as if she's a real person like a creep. He would probably be very popular in prison, don't you think? Uh, probably. Why, because he's an artist? He's an artist, so he could he can draw everyone's pornography for them. Oh, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, he's not just an artist. He draws, you know, he draws big-titted women, so he's getting, giving out prison bombshell, you know, drawings, really. That's yeah. true. Everyone does seem to really like him when he's leaving. Yeah. They're pretty, uh, they're sad to see him go, but they're very excited for him. Yeah, so maybe he's just a nice guy, I don't know. He does, he does murder the man that was sleeping with his wife, and we never get a, it, I assume that that actually happened. We never have a storyline where he's like, nah, I was innocent. Right, he never contests he's, that. He's, <laughs> he doesn't Andy Dufresne this, he... He basically yeah. just acknowledges that that's why he went to prison, and then we just kind of yeah. treat him as a hero at the end of the movie. <laughs> right. In the 90s. It's only brought up by, like, a guy that you could have also went a step further making him, like, a gatekeeping comic book person. Right, yeah. You I'm know, sure that he he's the yeah. only one in that room that brings it up when everyone else is looking for an autograph. 
but he seems really excited about it. Like he want he's not saying that to be a dick. He wants that comic book. Yeah. Okay. So he's more like, hey, you killed somebody, didn't you? He's just a man that does he like like any comic book nerd. He doesn't have tact, basically. <laughs> the social skills to, to have a conversation with a guy without bringing up the guy that he murdered. <laughs> I mean, look, we've all been to Comic-Con here. We know how some people react when they see something that really excites them. There is no personal space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like the old dude in the comic book shop where he's like, who the fuck are you? Right. Why am I getting this autograph right now? Who are you? <laughs> At least he's honest. I wonder if that guy was... I had thought that that guy was, like, supposed to be a cameo. A few of those people in the comic book shop were actually the voiceover actors. So it might have been one of the voiceover actors. I I looked into it. I don't think he was. Yeah, they just made such a point of putting this old person, you know, asking for comic books. And I was like, is he a basis for something? I looked into it. I I, I was like, is he he like a Stan Lee sort of person in this world? No, he didn't find anything. independent comic book artist that... Because that seems very early 90s, this independent guy uh, that no one knows about. It's got to be this guy Murray Podwall, right? Store patron? Yeah. He, that guy's a, a Murray. He's literally just a man who wandered onto set. <laughs> he might, yeah. might have been a working comic book shop, and he's just like, <laughs> why am I getting this autograph? Maybe it was his comic book shop, yeah. <laughs> if, if that scene had gone on, he would have basically just asked, what, like, what, are you, what are you guys doing? We're shooting a movie. Oh, what movie? <laughs> But I ever heard of it? Yeah. Right. Come out yet. Have I seen it yet? He's literally asking who that, like, who are you? Uh, you right. know, I'm Gabriel Byrne. Who's that? <laughs> so Holly then pulls Jack into Cool World. And he winds up at some tune club where Holly is there dancing as the other ca- characters look on. She beckons Jack, but his position in Cool World is temporary, and he winds up back in his prison cell after a few seconds. We then cut back to Cool World and Sparks, a purple-skinned zoot-zoot hustler of sorts, as he traverses the alleyways of Cool World. He interacts with the dregs of the street, all of which might possibly be children, and I'm not 100% sure what his role is in this movie. Felt like it was going to be a little bit bigger than it wound up being, but that is Sparks. I thought, was he not, he's not the bad guy, right? Oh, no, he's no. Just, he looks like the bad guy. He looks oh, like yeah. he be. Yeah, he, he turns out to be a snitch. Yep, he is a dirty snitch, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought he I thought he was Holly's like right hand man. Or like his, he, or like her pimp. It really like, yeah. looks after her something. or something. Yeah. But nope. yeah, he's just he's just some random snitch that like is always around her. <laughs> yeah. And attacks children. <laughs> Wooden nickels. <laughs> Let me ask you guys something about the character of Hollywood. Because she, her art style seems to stick out from everything else. And I, I was looking into the film to see if like Don Bluth had anything to do with this film because she looks exactly like a copy of. It looks like Ralph Bakshi traced Princess Daphne from the Dragon Slayer game. Sure. Mm. Yes. <laughs> She's very close. Yeah. If yeah. you just look, but then like everything else is Ralph Bakshi, the bastardization of Disney of gross near racist caricatures. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, like, you, you do see some like Mickey mouse stuff in there. There's mm-hmm. uh, there's like a Mickey mouse billboard and, but it's like the badass Mickey mouse. Look. Right. Yeah, it, it is definitely. Mouse. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's the definitely one you don't take home to your parents. It, it's, it's, ba- it's bad. There's, there's a point where we look down the throat of one of like Holly's goons. She has a, she has a posse. As the bigger one, and you see Ralph Bakshi's version of Geppetto and Pinocchio mm-hmm. uh, stuck that. in his stomach like the whale. 
I missed that one. Yeah. Frank pulls up to Hollywood's apartment. He's there to investigate the presence of the Noid at the club. Holly's apartment is just littered with cartoon vermin for no reason other than just to make noise. Holly is also hung up on the idea of going over to the real world, sparked by a legend of Vegas Vinny. Holly comes on to Frank, hoping to fuck her into a real woman, which I guess has been the proven outcome of such an event, though we don't have any evidence that has ever happened before. That seems to be Frank's specific job to the police to prevent that from happening. But he's also the only Noid in Cool World, as far as we can tell. Once again, these these rules just don't make a whole bunch of sense. So, so, so Brad Pitt is a cock block. Yeah, yeah, kind of. That seems to be his only job, because that seems to be the only rule in, tune, in Cool World. That's such a weird job. <laughs> yeah, because when they call the cops on the dice game... That's actual cops, poppers, as they call them. Hmm. It's not it's not a uh, nails or <laughs> or Frank answering the call. Right. Well, he he's a detective. He well, sort he yeah. stoops so low to such you know just petty <laughs> misdemeanors. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and what a surprise! A former military man becoming a police officer. Okay. <laughs> so Frank leaves, and then we cut to Jack being released from prison, as everybody's very excited and happy for him to see him go. He moves into a house and catches the attention of his neighbor. He then goes to a comic shop, and the girl behind the counter fawns all over him, realizing he is the Jack Deebs. Deebs? Was it Deebs? Deebs. Yeah. And then a whole bunch of guys there ask for his autograph. She asks him out for coffee, but he turns her down. One of the guys mentions that he should do a comic on the guy that he killed for finding him in bed with his wife. And then Jack leaves after that. Back in Cool World, a cute rabbit is playing dice with a bunch of toon degenerates who cheat the rabbit out of its winnings. Then Jack somehow winds back up in Cool World, so they decide to hassle him instead. Then Holly shows up and tries to get Jack the fucker. And the cops show up to bust the hoodlums, and they pile into Holly's roadster with Jack, and they peel off down the twisted highways that Jack once drew. Meanwhile, Frank goes to visit his girlfriend, Lonette, a toon. Frank acts very aggressive towards her, towards all the female toons, I should say. Like, if this was an actual human actress, it would be a bit disturbing. <laughs> Nails Frank. Frank's partner, a cigar-smoking spider, comes up, telling Frank that they have to go because Holly is with the Noid again. Then they head to the club. Holly and her crew show up to the club with Jack. After dispatching of the bouncer, they enter, and Jack is immediately accosted by Frank. Frank has to reinforce the one rule in Cool World. Noids cannot have sex with tunes. Frank mentions that other Noids have come to Cool World, but how and why? We never understand why. Jack winds up back in the real world. I just figured out. Noid is short for humanoid. There you go. Yeah. I don't know yeah, the case. Does that does that also go with the uh, the noid from Domino's? Is that also the reason why they're I mean that's the first <laughs> thing that I thought of. Well you should avoid the noid. You gotta avoid right. the noid. And that's what they're and saying. Avoid that's, the noid that's the one rule in Cool World. Avoid the noid. Is this a backdoor Domino's commercial? That that would be mind blowing. <laughs> If that's true, we're getting a remake to Cool World coming out soon, since the Noid is back. <laughs> Ralph Bakshi got left. paid by Domino's. Just make it as abstract as humanly possible. Right, right. and that's... like some of the severed heads are actually the Noid's head, and it's just you don't notice <laughs> right. it really. Yeah, it's very on Domino's. It's their brand to be very abstract. Yeah, oh, yeah. They make pizza. Abstract pizza? It's an abstract concept of what pizza is supposed to be. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's the bastardized version of pizza. If you squint... Yeah. And it looks like pizza. <laughs> so it's like having a nine-year-old make it after just describing pizza to them. <laughs> right. 
So Frank goes to Lonette's apartment. She tries to come on to him, but Frank stops her. So I'm assuming Frank has been celibate for 50 years. Lonette tries to push the limits of what they can do, but the nails barges in and Frank leaves with him. What other rules is Frank enforcing? That's a good question. Why is Nails in such a hurry to leave all the time? <laughs> is this a common occurrence to keep Frank gainfully employed? Does he That's get a, a paycheck? Point. Right. Like, how often are humans trying to bang tunes in this in Cool World? We know he's the first one to ever go into Cool World. Right. We're told that by the professor. So I, I guess there's just an a, a swinging door after that. After I think, the, I think, yeah, I think there's a vague illusion that it's happened before Gabriel Byrne. Mm-hmm. But we're just watching the story of Jack Deeb. Because hey, I, I think Brad Pitt mentions that others have been involved with Holly, but none of them have been crazy enough to go all the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's tried. She's tried to fuck other guys. Who do you, do you think, like, Mel Gibson was one of them? <laughs> <laughs> what an odd pull. Why Mel Gibson? <laughs> Why? Because we're talking about, like, you know... Late 80s, early 90s studs. Okay. So you think that, like, famous people go to Cool World to fuck? Sure. Why not? Mel Gibson's crazy. Are you trying to imply that possibly Bob Hoskins has also showed up, but then (laughs) was swayed not to? (laughs) Right. Well, yeah, because he he had himself a regular dame, right? Right. He didn't have to worry about uh, Hollywood. I'm trying to, like, so, like, Tom Cruise, possibly. Because, again, he's crazy. He's batshit crazy. Sure. Yeah, it's only the crazy ones who go to Toontown or to Cool World, and you know Eddie Murphy did. <laughs> <laughs> is this part of the whole "What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas" thing? Is yeah. They have a Toon World. Um, I, I, it's probably like Westworld. It's like this version, this yeah. world's version of Westworld, where it's just like the rich can just go anytime they want and just be depraved. Right. And just kill uh, James Marston as many times as they want. <laughs> <laughs> Even Cool World has a James Marston uh, <laughs> Absolutely. avatar. You're right. How, how It has to happen often enough where where Brad Pitt gets to remain employed. Yeah. We never see his employer. Is yeah. he self-employed? <laughs> he's just a private detective, maybe. He, right, he's a gumshoe. Well, I thought his badge said Cool World PD. It does. Yeah, That's it right. Does. But yeah. we never see him interact with the poppers. Nope. But he... No. It, this is the only thing he does is, is just follow Hollywood around and wait for Nails to tell him that the other Noid showed up. Right. Do, do you think he eats food? Yeah, that's a good question. He must, right? <laughs> He's right. still human. <laughs> right. Like, do, do the the laws of you so know, he does, humanity... He does, he does smoke a toon cigarette, so... And I guess you could have sex with a toon woman, so... Yeah, and I thought he poured himself a drink at one point, but maybe I missed that. Well, I don't remember. Yeah, maybe I'm just misremembering. But yeah, I I guess because it seems like all the other rules are suspended, as in like he doesn't age and he doesn't get sick or hurt or anything. So it may just be a a non-need. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's a good point. Because if you think about it, he has the life, right? He's Brad Pitt in his mid to late 20s, right? So he's smoking hot. You don't have you can't get diseases. You can't really get hurt. Can he get hurt? I think he, he can, right? He definitely did not want to fall off that, that right. apartment building. But So you can't get sick. You probably don't need air because there's no air for tunes. The only problem is he's in a shitty, shitty cartoon. Yeah. Right? If he's in a better cartoon world, it's, it's probably aces. He can't fuck, though. Yeah. He can't. He but fuck. it's like, he seems like he's not really, it's not like bothering him all that much. So Man. he's like, 
he's okay with it. Like he wants to bang Lionette, Lionette, Lynette. Yeah. He wants to nail her, but then uh, he he. It's not like he's going around looking to to nail any kind of tune. There's only two good looking tunes, by the way. <laughs> but everyone else is hideous. <laughs> yeah. So you you probably if if you off those two women, you probably get rid of the problem of Noids banging tunes. Right. <laughs> yeah. So because everyone else is just like. A grotesque, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> completely unfuckable. Right, it's like you were in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, the fake. Oh, what's her name? The Jessica fake Rabbit. Jessica Rabbit. Yeah. And there is one that looks almost exactly like that fake one. Yes. So it's it's everyone other than Hollywood and Lynette is that. Yep. Yeah. Frank and Nails wind up at Holly's apartment, but the door knocker won't let them in again, saying it's private party. So they have to climb the apartment building exterior. It's a long climb up. Nails almost drops Frank, but eventually they are able to break into the apartment building by breaking a window. Frank goes into the party as Nails waits outside. And Sparks is there again, still not sure of his role in all of this. Frank threatens Holly, telling her to stay away from Jack. She tells him that he's a coward because he could he could go back to the real world anytime he wants and just chooses not to. And then he leaves. As Frank goes to leave through the broken window, Jack shows up through the, the front door with Holly's goons. Door knocker says he has an appointment, but the other ones have to stay outside. So he goes up, and Holly comes and brings him into her bedroom, and then they fuck, causing an explosion that blows out the windows. And then Holly turns into Kim Basinger. You can be happy or sad about that, depending on <laughs> however you feel. Oh man, so much shade. <laughs> it it was one thing I was like, she is objectively an attractive woman, but I yeah. think I think it, it, what it comes down to is she's too old for this role. And she's yeah. like as Steve mentioned, she's almost 40. She's not exactly the sex kitten Marilyn Monroe stand-in that the cartoon Hollywood would would have you believe. And you know, it's funny because like you have the two ends of the spectrum. You have Kim Basinger who's a little too old in this role. But then you ha- you want Drew Barrymore, who's just a little too young for that role. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, could you imagine seventeen year old Drew Barrymore palling around with Gabriel Byrne? No, not at all. Like that's gross. Yeah. Very, gross. There, there had to have been are, are a happy we, medium. Are we talking about in this movie Drew Barrymore or in real life Drew Barrymore? <laughs> in this movie, I, I think seventeen year old Drew Barrymore is too much for Gabriel Byrne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to read lines. <laughs> Get off I the mean, at, at this point, she wasn't famous enough, but Pam Anderson would have I been was, the perfect yeah. like stand-in. I was literally just thinking that. Yep. I was, like, was she young enough, or was, I was like, was she old enough for this? But, I yeah, she was. I think she was old enough because she might have already been doing Home Improvement. I would think so. I think yeah, so. I think you're right. Yeah, that that's the perfect one. She's four years away from Barbed Wire, 1967. Yeah. So she was, yeah, she was like 20, 25. She Perfect. would have given the same amount of, you know, acting skills in this performance as Kim Basinger did. Yeah, she, she probably wouldn't have that Brooklyn accent there at some point. Yeah. Too. <laughs> she might have even given more, being that she wasn't as famous. That's true. And yeah, she's got to try a little harder. Yeah, she wouldn't have had, like, the dust-up with Bakshi to begin with. Right. Like, Kim Basinger was already established, and so she had the pull to, you know, say, I want to make a more PG-13 movie. Oh, that's a good and, point. Pam Anderson would have just went along with it. Right. right. And we get a totally different movie. That's a good point. 
Yeah, you definitely need you definitely need like a Playboy playmate like Erica Alaniac. She was an under siege this year too. Would have been good. Yeah. Yeah, because not Kim Basinger, who's not looking to <laughs> not re- as a woman as a woman in her 40s or almost 40s should not want to be a masturbation fodder for 12 year olds and perverts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, to be fair, I feel like this movie might have cheered up some kids in the hospital just seeing her <laughs> as a cartoon. Sure. sure. <laughs> so mission accomplished. There you go. Everybody's happy, right? Yeah, except, except for Ralph, Ralph <laughs> Nails drops Frank off at, at the bar that Lynette works at and goes back to the precinct to man the phones. And Frank and Lynette get cozy in a booth. Meanwhile, Sparks calls the precinct to tell Nails that Holly fucked Jack and is planning to make a trip to the real world. So Nails calls Frank, but then loses the nerve to tell him about Holly and just tells him he's making sure he's having a good time. And this scene of waiting for... Frank to get the phone call is obnoxious as fuck. Because yeah, the phone has to go through the entire bar. Yeah, and and also, are we to believe that every time the phone rings, it hurts the phone? Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. And also, the uh, another example of Brad Pitt holding something in Toon World and it not matching up specifically, because yeah. I think at some point, the phone was nowhere near his ear. Yeah. It's so distracting. <laughs> it, it's, it's so obvious. It's a director that knows animation but doesn't really necessarily know live action. Exactly. He can't marry the two. Yeah. Uh, Zeme- uh, what Zemeckis did on Who Framed Roger Rabbit is pretty impressive. That's all we can say about that. Meanwhile, Holly is more or less having a breakdown because she's now Kim Basinger. I don't think because she thinks she's almost 40. I think it was just she was surprised by it. <laughs> <laughs> Nails tries to pump himself up to go arrest Holly and then goes off to apprehend her without the help of Frank. Back at Holly's, Holly packs up her things to go to the real world. Jack wants to stay in Cool World, but Holly wants to go and experience the real world. She says she has to go say goodbye to the fellas, and now has a Brooklyn accent all of a sudden. She also steals Jack's fountain pen, which is a weapon in a world made of ink, which we found that out earlier, but I skipped over it. She goes to talk to the gang, and that's where Nail shows up and tries to stop Holly. But she grabs him and sucks him up with the fountain pen. So now he's trapped in the fountain pen. She then goes back to Jack and they teleport or whatever back to the real world. For some reason, Holly lands on the couch while Jack can't get the hang of the whole teleporting thing and falls flat on his feet. A commotion at Jack's house causes Jack's neighbors to come over to make sure he's okay. And they are introduced to Holly, who now can't put words together to form a sentence. And Jack introduces her as his friend and more or less shoves his neighbors out the door. A few She, tunes... she goes straight bimbo with a hard O. Yeah, the real world. <laughs> like she goes Brendan Fraser in Encino Man. <laughs> yes, <laughs> or uh, or like Multipass. She plays like Melodrama Vision yeah. for yeah, Element. <laughs> A few tunes gather around the crime scene where Nails got inked, including Sparks, who I still can't figure out his role in all of this. Frank shows up and Sparks tells him that Hollywood made it with Jack, and now she's not a tune anymore, and that's who inked Nails. Jack takes Holly to a nightclub where Frank Sinatra Jr. is performing. And Holly wants to experience everything immediately. She wants to drink all the drinks. She wants to meet every guy. She wants them to smell her. Jack starts getting a little bit possessive of her, so she rebels and walks up to Frank Sinatra Jr. and tells him, let's make love. Which causes Jack to get super jealous in the worst line reading of the movie and gets himself kicked out of the club. Outside, Jack grabs the bouncer by the face and makes his face glow, some sort of cartoon glow, but doesn't really do anything else otherwise. And the guy leaves. As Jack goes to get in his car to leave, he starts turning into some sort of old-timey cartoon clown, and his car turns into a clown car, both of the which for a split second. 
Inside the club, Holly sings Let's Make Love with Frank Sinatra Jr. I was thinking just, man, Frank Sinatra Jr. just did not inherit his dad's looks at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> not his looks, not his class. not it just, <laughs> By the 90s, that was just passe. Yeah. He, like, he worked in Vegas, and that was about it. Yeah, in, in his old age, Frank Sinatra would have been better in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. There's, there's no way you get Frank Sinatra in. <laughs> no. no. I would have rather had Phil Hartman playing Frank Sinatra than Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Meanwhile, Frank is having an argument with Lonette because he has to go into the real real world and bring Holly back. Now Holly starts turning into a clown-like cartoon, too, as Jack starts to turn into a doodle himself more and more. Lonette sees Frank out off. In order to go back, he has to remember the last time he was in the real world, which just so happens to be the moment his mom died in a bike accident 50 years prior. So that's sad. And that sends him back to the real world. Back in the real world, Jack is freaking out about blinking into a tune and is now immediately regretting ever being involved with Holly because she is a nightmare as Kim Basinger. <laughs> Holly sees a sign for Las Vegas and thinks back to Vegas Vinny and how there must be a power spike that will turn her into a real person permanently. Jack says they're not going to the hotel, so she kicks him out of the car and drives off. Literally kicks him out of the car. Frank makes it back to the real world and winds up in Jack's house, which makes a huge ruckus and awakens the neighbor. Jack comes home to find Frank. Frank realizes that Jack is turning into a tune. Jack tells him that it's happening to Holly, too. The neighbor comes over, and Jack tells Frank about Holly wanting to go find the spike, and the neighbor offers to drive her mom's car. Holly pulls up to the hotel and starts asking everyone she could find about Vegas Vinny. On the way to the hotel, Frank tells Jack and the neighbor girl all about Vegas Vinny and how it was based on Doc Whiskers, the professor that he met when he first made it to Cool World. I thought they were going to be a little more harsh about throwing her out after she just went around talking to everybody about Vegas Vinny, mm -hmm. you know, or or maybe in the Vegas sense, we're just like, oh, it's whatever, some crazy lady, we'll just say no to her. But I, I didn't get the fact with her character, we just go around and just ask everybody the question. Mm -hmm. You would think yeah. they working in a club in cool world she'd have the idea of like who to talk to to find somebody this is all sense of socialization and speaking which is weird because it's supposed to it almost treats her like she's a fish out of water but she does yeah. have sense of socialization regardless yeah, she, of her tunes yeah she goes from being a girl boss in cool world and knowing how to work her all the in, inner workings of the world, but then just has no sense of, like, let me speak to the manager. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. If she's had 50 years of trying to fuck men, she should be right. able to kind of handle herself in Vegas. Yeah, she never really uses her feminine wiles mm -hmm. in that way. Only for Frank Sinatra Jr. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Frank then t says that him and Doc Whiskers mapped out the tunnels between the real world and the cool world, but they says that they realized that there were ways that crossing over could lead to the end of the universe. So Holly gets kicked out of the casino for having no money, and she starts turning into a tune again. She comes across a guy in a trench coat who starts talking to her about being a tune, and she shakes him down until it's revealed that it is Doc Whiskers himself. Doc Whiskers says that there is a spike at the top of the casino, but he didn't have the power to hold it and tells Holly that it will do her no good. So Holly tells her to him to shove off, and there's nothing that he's going to do to stop her from touching the spike, and she tries to ink him. But in the real world, it makes Doc explode for some reason. <laughs> it's like a pinprick, I guess. Yeah, which I guess he's full of air, as as tunes are. Frank and Jack show up at the moment as Frank at that moment as Frank goes chasing Holly up the stairwell as Jack and the neighbor try to pull the Doc back together. As Frank chases Holly up the stairwell, she pushes him over the side, but he manages to hang onto the balcony. She manages to get away in that moment. 
As she makes it onto a floor, she turns into a tune and is able to move through a wall because we haven't established any rules in this film other than (laughs) tunes and noids can't fuck. So, of course, that happens. Why is she also turning into a clown tune? Why isn't she just reverting back to her original form? It's a fair question. She's a clown. She's she's acting clownish. (laughs) It's just another version of there's no rule. Yeah. It's punishment, maybe? I don't know. But then who's the one doing the punishing? I Right, because it's all made up in Gabriel Byrne's imagination, right? That's kind of what we've established. Right. Well, that's what Gabriel Byrne thinks, at least. Okay. Right? Because it existed in 1945. We don't know to what extent. At least Doc Whiskers was was in this world in 1945. So Jack is somehow tapping into a world that already existed for his own creativity. And I don't know. They don't never really explain what he's created and what he didn't. And if he's, if he creates something on paper, does it then exist in cool world? Mm. Like that episode of Looney Tunes where, you know, the animator is fighting with Daffy Duck. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. The, uh, the pencil just goes around him and yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, man. But that was done so well, even in like, what, what was that? That was like the fifties, right? It was probably, yeah. Right. And just like, it's incredible that those short stories were just so much better than this full <laughs> motion picture. Yeah. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I think a lot that would take a, it would make this movie so much better if there was just some semblance of sense. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe, yeah, and maybe that was something. lost. Maybe that was lost in the uh, trying to turn this into a PG-13 movie that Kim Basinger to go to the hospitals and show, <laughs> show sick children. I, I like also like the very first shot of Kim Basinger as a person, as a close-up of her chest, with yeah. just her nips rock hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah oh, that'll fly over well with the kitties. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was 1992. Jennifer Aniston was going to be doing that in two years, all every Thursday night. That's a good point. <laughs> Showing Maybe up. Struck it rich. Nipples first in front of a live studio audience. And no one complained. Nope. Frank finds the wall that she went through and follows her into the room. He tells her that she should go back to Cool World. So she tries to run through the wall again and just smashes right into it. <laughs> In slow motion, which just makes this even that more ridiculous. Yeah, does she? Does he like distract her? I don't get what happens here. I, I, I think she. I can't remember. Does she? Is she attuned when she goes through the wall the first time? Yeah. Yeah. When she goes through the first time, but then the second time, I think she thinks she has control over yeah. it, but she doesn't, and then she just runs like a clumsy asshole yeah. into the wall. Yeah, because it's it's real real person Holly. When she hits the wall. So I'm guessing she could go through it if she's a tune at that moment. So then she goes on the balcony and Frank follows. Meanwhile, the neighbor manages to piece the doctor back together. Jack doesn't seem to be doing shit at that moment. It's all up to the neighbor to put him back together. (laughs) Holly starts climbing the balcony, trying to make it to the roof. Frank threatens to shoot her. And she says that she's scared of heights and needs his help to come down. So he goes to help her. But she tricked him. And she turns into a tune and she's got a vengeful look in her eye, which we wouldn't really, we don't really even get to see coverage of that, but assume that it happened. And she pushes him off the roof and he falls to his death. And that's our hero in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Falling to his death off screen. So the professor tells Jack that it's his opportunity to be a hero. You know, the guy that killed the guy that was sleeping with his wife. So Jack grows (laughs) some tune arms that stretch all the way up to the hotel top and goes to try to stop Holly. 
Ollie makes it up to the roof and removes the spike from the sign, opening a portal between the real world and cool world, and unleashes chaos. Holly turns back into her original tune form, because she's not the clown anymore. Jack turns into a superhero-type character. And everyone around Vegas starts turning into cartoon versions of themselves. And this is where, and obviously we, we've already stated that there's no plot or any story in this, but her whole motivation, whole movie, was to be real and to be in the real world. And now she's fine being her doodle in the real in this real world. Yep. Like, it, the switch makes no sense. Yeah. I don't know what she was... Yeah, because she expect specifically she goes to the to get the spike to turn become real. Maybe just the being faced with being that cartoon that hideous cartoon clown. She was just like, well, I don't really want to be a cartoon, but I'm here in the real world and I'm my sexy self. So that's like a good compromise, right? Yeah. 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 So I had two notes about this. One, when she's climbing up to the spike, she's cl- there's a shot of her climbing a ladder. She basically climbs ladders like people do in the WWE. <laughs> a lot of effort very slowly. Yeah. And always then, looking down to make sure the yeah, person is right there. Exactly. Which gives Jack time to get up to her. But the other thing is like how much of like when she pulls the spike out, how much of a big ripoff of Ghostbusters is it when all the tunes come out and it looks exactly like the scene of when the firehouse explodes. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. It felt like maybe they had one idea and they couldn't stick with that idea for whatever reason. And they just couldn't decide on an ending. When when Byrne turns into the superhero, it's super awkward. Like It really makes no sense in that like he's becoming a clown, but then he becomes a superhero. Right. Why are people turning into these things? Yeah. It, just, it makes no sense. Make like it make Mar- sense. Yeah, it's like Super <laughs> Mario Brothers. The worlds are merging, I guess. Right? right. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, you see on the street, like, they go through Vegas, and that that's how it's also like the Ghostbusters montage of, like, all the ghosts start showing up. People start turning into cartoons. Right. And a lot, of, a lot of them kind of make sense. Like, people, you know, just fat Americans turning into cows. There's that one shifty guy at the table who turns into a snake. That kind of makes sense. Like, yeah. You're, you're turning into the worst version of yourself as an awful Bakshi cartoon. Mm-hmm. But the why Jack turns into a superhero that's not even voiced by Gabriel Byrne, because it's Maurice LaMarche doing the superhero voice. Yep. And his so, lips never move. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have budget to animate his mouth. <laughs> no. The ending is a cluster. Yep. So Jack tries to stop her, but she kicks him in the dick and, he get, and gets taken away by some sort of dark flying ink beast. Holly drops the spike, and Super Jack flies off to retrieve it. Jack tries to replace the spike, but then has to fight a whole bunch of ink monsters. Meanwhile, Nails pulls himself out of the pen and sees Frank's body lying on the street. Holly tries to get Jack to give up the spike, but as he is about to, one of the ink monsters makes it obvious that it's a trick, so Super Jack thinks better of it and goes to return the spike to the sign again. As he does, all the tunes that escaped get sucked back into the sign, and the portal closes, and Jack and Holly disappear with them. Then Doc... And Nails go back to Cool World with Frank's body, leaving the neighbor girl stuck in Las Vegas by herself. <laughs> it's a Lynette, good character art. Yep. <laughs> Lynette sadly walks along the streets of Cool World, missing Frank. She goes back to her apartment to find Nails with Frank's body. Nails tells her that Hollywood killed him. 
But then Lonette realizes that if Holly killed him while she was a toon, then that means Frank will turn into a toon. Because we never established any rules besides the toon slash annoyed fucking thing. Frank becomes a toon, and they did Brad Pitt pretty dirty on this rendering, if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like Rin Tin Tin. He's like a, a Sunday comic strip character. He looked like if David Byrne was in Blondie. <laughs> Not the band Blondie, the comic yeah, strip. The comic. <laughs> and Lynette and Frank can now fuck, so they're happy with that, I guess. Frank, tunes can fuck each other. No one ever said they couldn't. Um, but then Nails interrupts again, but they kick his ass out. And Holly and Super Jack are stuck in some toon barren wasteland for, for reasons that are unclear. And that is the end of Cool World. If there's any one thing to be said about it, it makes no sense. In the in the hard R-rated version, Nails joins Brad Pitt and Lynette, and it's just like super handy, you know. Yep. Like, like Nails <laughs> is are like, everywhere. Yeah, helping out Lynette and Brad Pitt, and it's just like <laughs> it's, he it's, really helps them experience something like they've never thought possible. Yeah, it's like Fritz the Cat. Oh yeah, but way like way dirtier, I think. Yeah. Uh, Fritz the Cat's such a better movie than this, and I and we hated Fritz the Cat. <laughs> <laughs> At least that had like a message. Yeah. Fritz and the Cat plot. had some, and, a, and somewhat of a plot, sure. Yeah. Yes, the message of Fritz the Cat was just like really like awkward and I, I guess not well said, but this has zero message in it other than tunes can't bang humans. That's the message. Yeah. Remember, kids. Resist all urges to bang cartoons. I think the internet was a direct opposition of, oh, of yeah. this movie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Bill Gates is like, I'll, I'll, show, I'll show you, Ralph Bakshi. <laughs> <laughs> Take this. Yeah. <laughs> Let's watch, uh, I can't even think, watch Daria fuck Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, a whole group of deviant artists <laughs> begs to differ with Ralph Bakshi. Yeah. Everyone, Al Gore, yeah, they all, Al Gore saw this movie, went home, and immediately wrote Rule 34. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody has the same story as we do. We They watched it way too young, and they just rebelled against the, the message of the movie, which yep. there isn't another message, so that's the only thing they could take away from it. Right. Again, I, I, uh, my, my grandparents didn't really understand what was... My, my grandparents were one of those uh, grandparents where they would let me do things that my parents like they would let me watch things my parents wouldn't like i couldn't watch ren and stimpy with my parents but i could watch it with my grandparents and i guess this was one of those things like oh well you know oh pg-13 he's 10 so he should be fine and they they had no clue what what this was and like how it like just ruined everything going forward and just like <laughs> my whole perception of cartoons and yeah, I, I wasn't an innocent child after seeing this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't really have much more to say about this one. Yeah. This was a rough I'll one. Out. All right, I guess uh, we're getting to the uh, the plug your shit aspect of it. Steve, why don't you uh, plug your shit? Sure. So join us every Friday for a new episode of Hot Nation USA. And just search Hot Nation USA on any podcatcher. We're on all of those. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Hot Nation USA. Don't forget the USA, because otherwise you'll get a brewery somewhere out in Washington, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, uh, we'll we'll be talking about beer, mostly of the mid-Atlantic region, but, you know, we try to talk whatever comes through our way. 
and you'll get history, you'll get interviews, you'll get all kinds of things. You'll learn about beer styles and some homebrewing tips from time to time. Great. All right. Uh, Dan, what do you got? I'll go shit. Yeah. yeah, real quick, my personal Twitter at Aquino 122 uh, I also help run our Real Play D&D podcast, Stranger Damies Twitter. Uh, that is at Stranger Damies. Uh, check there for any, you know, funny memes, uh, our schedule, our streaming schedule, our uh, episode release schedule. And um, yeah, that that's pretty much it for me. Yeah. So the uh, uh, the Stranger Damies release schedule, we uh, uh, episodes release every other Wednesday. Um, on the podcast, wherever you get whatever wherever you get your podcast from, um, we do new sessions um, every other Friday. So um, I don't think there'll be one this Friday. It'll be next Friday. But as Dan mentioned, the Twitter is the best place uh, to verify that. Um, I'm also trying to get all the videos up on YouTube um, as well to try and catch people up so they can watch the stream. Um, hopefully that'll be up uh, by the. Uh, not this session um, when we're recording this, but the one after that. I'm hoping to have them all up and ready so people can go into that session fresh. Um, and then we also have our um, uh, gaming podcast, uh, the Game Vault podcast. Um, you can search for it on all socials, the Game Vault pod. Um, we air every other Monday uh, podcast there. Uh, but we do stream, which is our Twitch channel, which is where Stranger Damies is. It's at twitch.tv slash gamevaultpod. Um, there we stream uh, Apex uh, on Wednesdays. I do an RPG stream on Thursdays. Right now I'm playing Paper Mario. Um, Fridays is when uh, Stranger Damies would air. Um, Saturday, uh, Jen does um, either Monster Hunter Rise or Dead by Daylight. Um, Sunday is Dan's, uh, Dan of the Wild, where he plays through Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, and then he does pop up at different points during the week. Um, he wants to play a couple hours as well. And then Monday is our final day where Tom plays our retro roulette game that we pick every podcast. Um, and then also he's playing through, um, some old school RPGs or old games that he wants to play all the way through. Right now we're playing Suikoden from PlayStation 1. Uh, so feel free to check that out. Great. And we are They Call This Movie. You can find us uh, at any podcast streaming app just by searching They Call This Movie. That's at Spreaker, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us just by searching They Call This Movie. We are the themaindamey.com. That's our main website where we post all of our shows. And hypothetically, we post articles there, too. Um, we could find us on all socials just by searching the main Damien. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, search the main Damien and we'll pop right up. We're also on TikTok now with They Call This Movie. So search for They Call This Movie on TikTok and we will show up. Also a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com and on all socials and podcast streaming apps just by searching Geek Vibes Nation. Tons of great shows. If you're into geek stuff, there is surely a show for you. That's going to wrap us up. This week, we talked about Cool World, and we had Steve as a guest. Thank you, Steve, for coming on. Hope to have you Thanks on for having me on, guys. Soon. Yeah, and no maybe problem. we'll have a better movie the next time if we have you on again. Uh, sure. <laughs> we'll let you pick the shitty movie that, w- that we have to watch, so we can blame you. Uh, <laughs> good, good. I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> uh, the director of Cool World is Ralph Bakshi. So, for Dan Aquino... Mark Myers and Steve. This is Anthony Lavecchio telling Ralph Bakshi, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you?
Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.